Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey. Our epistle lesson is from Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brethren, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And I ask you also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace will be with you. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a marriage feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the marriage feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, behold, I have made ready my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves are killed and everything is ready, come to the marriage feast. But they made light of it and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the thoroughfares and invite to the marriage feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. For many are called but few are chosen. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We're going to do something a bit different this morning for our quiet meditation and prayer time. Uh, I actually invite you to turn to page 117 in your book of worship. Um, this is our liturgy for in, uh, of intercessions in times of crisis. Uh, and I think over the last week plus, um, many of us have watched unfold something that is pretty horrible to watch in uh, Palestine and Israel. Um, and I think it is an appropriate time to pause, uh, to pray um, for the world, for peace. Uh, and so we will turn to this prayer in order to do that. So I invite you to join me in prayer on page 117. God of mercy, God of comfort, we come before you in this time of difficulty, mindful of human frailty and need, confused and struggling to find meaning in the face of suffering. We are grateful that even as we share in the joy of Christ Jesus, we can also share abundantly in comfort in the midst of suffering. For victims of fire or flood, storm or earthquake, famine or disease. For those whom disaster have left homeless, injured or bereaved. For refugees and those separated from loved ones. God, we pray for this current war and violence happening now in Israel and Palestine. We mourn with you at the loss of life, especially the loss of innocent life. We pray for the victims of these deadly attacks and war, for children, men, women, and elderly whose lives were taken too early. We pray for the surviving family and, and friends in their grief. And God, we pray for peace to come swiftly. We pray for the restraint and the use of violence. Shield the innocent from the actions of those who desire to inflict harm. Make those who want to make war and those who want to stoke fear through the violence of terrorism. God, we long for the day when arms will be laid down. But until that time comes, empower and strengthen people everywhere to do the hard work of peace. And so, God, we pray for all who are in danger, trouble, or anguish. We ask the presence and strength of your spirit. Give all who suffer the, suffer the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because your love has been poured out to hearts through the Holy Spirit. Be the support of all who give their strength, their skill, and their stamina in a ministry of mercy. Open our hearts in generosity that we may be partners in their commitment to bring relief. When tempers flare and a partisan spirit provokes new hostility, Raise up people who have patience and restraint. Where indifferences allows crisis to deepen and suffering goes without relief. 
awaken, delivers, have zeal and strength. We pray for those who are engaged in, the making, in making important decisions in this time, for those who report on these events, and for those who shape public opinion. Give them the courage to speak out, the strength to listen, that together we may discern the truth and hold aloft its light. Take away the temptation to trust in human power and military solutions, and give us the courage to be your servants to, a, to the community of nations. Direct all governments in the way of peace and justice, that your will may be known and done among the nations. Deliver us from the sins which lead to war and conflict, and strengthen within us the will to establish righteousness and justice on the earth. We pray for those who are suffering and can make no sense of tragedy. Help them to turn to the one who embraces us in our lives, even Jesus Christ, who lived and suffered among us. There is no one who is righteous, not even one, for we have all turned away from you. Make us aware of our common need for a savior and remove from our hearts the pride, ambition, and greed that would lead us to enslave and, de and, de and demean other people. Have mercy on your whole creation. Hasten the day, kingdom of the world shall become your kingdom. And by grace, make us worthy to stand before you. Amen. So this week, we are supposed to be concluding our sermon series called The Upside Down Kingdom, which we have been looking at for the past few sermons, in which we've been looking at texts from the Gospel of Matthew from the lectionary for each week. And my plan for this morning was to conclude this sermon series by looking at the Gospel text that we just read from Matthew. But as we all watched events unfold, over these last few days in Israel and Palestine, I felt like this week's sermon might need to be a little bit different. And in many ways, this still fits into a sermon series entitled The Upside Down Kingdom. But it will be a slightly different focus than the one that I began at the beginning of this week. Instead of looking at the Gospel of Matthew, we're actually going to look at Paul's words to the church in Philippians. In Philippi, when we look at this situation of war and violence that is starting in Israel and Palestine, it can produce many different emotions, I think. It can produce things like fear, concern, dread, anxiety. But one of the emotions that stood out to me was worry. And worry can be produced in a lot of situations. And it's a pretty common emotion, I think, but it can take on a whole nother level in times like this. Even when these events seem like they're going on in a, in a place far away, those connections come home quite quickly. And Paul seems to address this when we look at these verses from Philippians. When we see something unfolding like we are watching right now, we can be worried about things like further violence, 
could be worried like, about things like the loss of innocent life. We could be worried about things like what does this mean for us? We could also be worried about things like where is God in all of this? Why would God let something like this happen? These are natural questions when we look at the horrors unfolding. So this morning, I want to spend some time looking at that concept of worry and how God's words and Paul's letter might help us deal with worry in our lives. So we're going to look at this idea by zooming in on some of those verses from Paul's letter. And worry as a, can be a dangerous thing for us. So much so that it can actually be dangerous to our physical bodies. You see, when you worry too much, it produces stress. And anyone who worries a lot probably knows what stress feels like. And stress puts a physical strain on our bodies. It activates certain chemicals in your brain, the same ones that are released when there is a physical threat. And these produce those fight or flight chemicals, can raise your blood pressure. And in prolonged states of worry and stress, they can have a negative effect on our physical and our mental health. Worry and stress can cause depressed immune systems, which make it harder for our bodies to fight off all sorts of diseases. And these chemistry changes in our brain when we are under chronic stress are often associated with greater risks of depression and other illnesses. Chronic stress and and worry reduce our ability to form new memories and recall other ones. And so it's easy to think why we might be living in a very unhealthy time right now. Because when you look at the world around us, not just what's going on in Israel and Palestine, but people all over struggling to make ends meet and live, coming out of a pandemic, other conflicts seemingly on the rise, stress and worry might be so common now that we don't even notice them in our lives anymore. You see, the word worry comes from an old English word that means to strangle or to be seized by the throat. And sometimes worry can feel like that, can't it? Have you ever experienced this aspect of worry, where it feels like you might be suffocating? See, worry can affect our physical life, but it also affects our spiritual life as well, because the physical and the spiritual are connected. Worry can affect our relationships in negative ways, can separate us from friends and those we care the most about. So what do we do about worry? How do we handle this in our lives? I want to reread some of these verses from Paul, just briefly, so we can perhaps see what Paul's words might help us with. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul gives us some pretty powerful words in these verses. Some really, really good ideas and practices on how to tackle worry in our lives. But I think it's important to know where Paul is coming from when we read these verses. Because it's easy for us to read those and say, that sounds great, Paul, but like that's actually really tough right now. But when Paul is writing this to the church in Philippi, Paul is actually writing these words while in prison, which I think gives them a whole different kind of meaning, doesn't it? When you think of these words from behind prison bars, the kind of prison where they actually have no obligation to take care of you, no obligation to feed you, you are fully reliant on those from the outside to take care of your immediate needs. Paul's words might ring a little bit differently when we ask things about worry and stress. And Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, one of the churches he's most connected to, one of the people he knows and cares for the most deeply. So when we think of Paul being in prison, himself physically suffering when he's writing phrases like, rejoice in the Lord always, it begins to take on a slightly different meaning, doesn't it? I like how Paul also repeats that phrase. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's almost like he's saying, if you didn't believe me the first time, rejoice. Which makes sense. That he may be even needing to repeat these words to himself. You see, the followers of Jesus at the time when Paul is writing this letter, are being assaulted. Paul being one of the people who did the assaulting. They're being persecuted. They're being put in jail. They're facing death. Just like Paul himself is facing. Himself in a moment of suffering. And so his message is rejoice and have peace. His message to a church that's being persecuted from a position of being persecuted himself, Paul is saying, rejoice, be at peace, think about the things that are worthy of praise. Paul is not saying, rejoice when everything is perfect. Rejoice when everything is going well. Rejoice when things are at peace. Rejoice when life is easy. Paul is saying, rejoice and seek peace even when times are hard. And perhaps those are the moments to which we need to seek it even more. Because in our world and in our culture today, the concept of peace is often connected to the idea that peace means there's no conflict. That peace means everything is right and everything is where it needs to be. And when we look at the conditions of our world now, it might seem like that will never happen. 
or at least anytime soon, or at least even in our lifetimes. But Paul's words are meant for us in exactly a time like this. A time when uncertainty seems to reign, and uncertainty for any of us can produce a lot of worry, can produce a lot of stress. Acting like things will just get better really isn't that helpful of a tactic either. Paul is not telling us, just think happy thoughts and all your worries will go away. Paul is not telling us that these struggles will just dissipate into the ether. He is well aware that this is not going to be easy. I mean, he is saying this sitting in a prison cell, after all. He sees firsthand the darkness and the struggle of the world, the suffering of his own experience, but also the suffering going on, the injustice of the world. And he is able to say, even in this moment, don't worry, rejoice, seek peace. And as we are well aware, our world is filled with much similar things, suffering and injustice. And in moments like this, those become even more heightened when the images are put in front of our face, that reality is heightened in a way that it perhaps was not before. So we have witnessed yet again this week the horrible evil still present in this world. So you have every right to come to me questioning why I am up here telling you not to worry. How could I be telling you not to worry when we live in a world in which terrible things seem to be unfolding on a regular basis? How could I possibly tell you not to worry in a world like we find ourselves in? How could I tell you not to worry in a world where natural disasters destroy homes and lives of thousands? How could I tell you not to worry when we seem more divided and hostile to one another than we ever have been in most of our lifetimes? How could I come and tell you not to worry when war and conflict and destruction seem to be on the rise in many places? When innocent lives are lost in brutal ways? And it looks like we will continue with no close end in sight. The only thing I can give you are the same words that Paul gave the church in Philippi. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, Paul believed in a different story. He didn't believe that darkness, that destruction, and injustice would have the final say. Paul believed and followed a God who was with us and for us in the middle of those darkest moments. A God so much with us that that God would come in human form to be fully invested in this human situation, fully invested in all aspects of our reality. God's love for us and God's love for this world goes deeper than we could possibly understand. That's why Paul says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. 
You see, the peace of God is not something we arrive at with logic. It is something we trust in. It is something we meditate on. It is something that we let wash over us and become a part of us even when it doesn't make sense. We do it through prayer. We do it through meditation. We do it through being a community together. We do it through being with other people, through worship, through building trust and compassion with one another. We do it through attempting to live as an upside-down kingdom in a chaotic and crazy world. We do it not believing that darkness and destruction have the last word. That in actuality, after death comes new life. Because that's the story of the cross. That's the story of the cross and the empty tomb. That even through the brutality of Good Friday, there is the hope and restoration of Easter morning. And it's really tough when we're trying to live through that Saturday. But that's kind of what we have to do. And that's what faith is for. That's what a community of believers is for. And that's why Paul says that this peace will guard your hearts and your minds. The Greek word there, to guard, is a military term for a watchman in a guard tower. This peace will protect you. You see, the key to protecting yourself from worry, from the stress of the world, wherever it finds itself, in our personal life or whatever is going on in the world around us, protecting ourselves comes from sitting in the presence and the peace of God. When we create daily or weekly habits and routines of inviting God's peace into our lives, we can begin to free ourselves from the struggle and the grip that worry has on us. Whether that's through prayer practices, meditation, reading scripture, using the daily text, small groups and circles, prayer groups, whatever it is, when we commit to the practice of peace, That is what centers us on the transcendent peace of God. It invites us and opens us up to that protective spirit of God that will guard your hearts. And when we are freed from that grip, that strangulation strangulation of worry, we can give ourselves to the work of peace give ourselves to doing God's work in the world. You see, worry can constrain our gratitude. Worry can hold us back from God's peace. So my challenge to all of us today and this week and the unfolding weeks is to put practices and rhythms into your life that cultivate and bring about the peace that only comes from God so that we can live a different kind of story, a story of peace over destruction, that we can live in light instead of darkness, that we can live with love instead of hate, and that we do not conform to the ways of this world, but live in an upside-down kingdom. And when we do this, as individuals and as a community, we have the power to do amazing things 
in the world. Let us pray. God, fill us with the peace that passes understanding. Help us to seek your presence in a world that is often defined by chaos. Help us to build and be a community of peace and center ourselves on the hope that is found in you and you alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.